Hello and welcome to Execute Chapter 66, a Star Wars fiction podcast where we discuss canon, legends, and beyond. Tonight we are wrapping up Phase 2 of The High Republic with Path of Vengeance by Kevin Scott. My name is Beth Van Dusen and with me as always are Ryan Schweck and Chad J. Schonk. Over to you first, Chad. Your reminder that this is a book club and not a review show. We're going to spoil this book over the course of our conversation. We may spoil anything else Star Wars that comes to mind. That has been your spoiler warning. Ryan, give me what you got. Speaking of the newest thing. (laughs) We got our full trailer for Ahsoka. It's going to come out August 23rd. First two episodes have come out at first, the first day. I have some concerns. <laughs> look, it looks, it looks great. They seem to insinuate that Sabine is being trained as a Jedi. And I, I that am feeling too. not okay with this. Like, I don't like it. I don't like, I also kind of don't like that it looks like the scene we saw possibly at the end of Rebels, she says no, and Ahsoka just leaves. I don't really, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to work that out. I, Ahsoka needs to not be a Jedi or force sensitive or whatever. I mean, Sabine, yeah. Sabine, I mean, sorry. Yeah, I, I don't know. I agree. I was a little worried about that but i'm just gonna trust and see how it comes out i'm well i'm concerned because ray stevenson is dead and so whatever character they were building up with him is obviously not going to go any further which is sad because that guy's awesome but then the whole master thing i was like oh oh, no no i hope they're not doing that Mm -hmm. on the plus side I do like that she gets the haircut to get the shorter hair for her, like coming back. Yeah. Sabine is back in business action. I, um, I did like the tie in. Yeah. The tie in was good. Cause it, it really does look like it's like right at the end of rebels or at least yeah. some portion of it takes place right at the end of rebels. Once a rebel, always uh, a rebel. Mm-hmm. I also appreciate that now Filoni's just straight up saying, yeah, this is like the next season of Rebels. <laughs> like he like says it in interviews now. <laughs> All right, way to go, man. Um, and then speaking of Ahsoka, the first toy for Ahsoka has been revealed. It actually went on pre-order today. Um, the Ghost will be a Lego set, mm. and Jason Sandula is in it. He does not have green hair, and. It is clearly from the show. He's like older, like he's not a little kid. That's they mm. need to have green hair. All the, if I have even, green hair. I'm going to have even more questions about Star Wars biology <laughs> if he has no green at all. He's just like <laughs> some human kid. But we'll see. It's a cool little set. It's got the ghost and it's got the Phantom Two on the back of it. Like it kind of sits on the top of it. It was a nice little set. Just mean we're not getting the HasLab? Oh, that's the next thing. There's lots of toy news this week. Uh, over the past two weeks, they have teased the next HasLab, which we should see probably, my guess is they're going to time it around San Diego. Um, but what they've been putting out is kind of transmissions. This seems to be how HasLab is doing things now. It's how they did the Dragonfly for G.I. Joe. And now they've done one for this. They've done like three and they're in the Arabish and it's clearly a ship. Like there's some hints that it's the ghost. Everybody knows it's the ghost. Um, The question is, is it rebels ghost? Or are we going to see like some updated, you know, Ahsoka ghost? Yeah. Like, is it going to have like a square radar dish instead of a round one? I don't know. Right. But we will see. They might get me Uh, with that. Yeah. With a large, I mean, I know it's three and three quarter, but with a large ghost, 
I nice lab know. detail. Yeah, and they well, I wasn't super impressed. I was not super impressed with the Sky Striker. I mean, I didn't haven't had it in my hand, but I watched reviews of it. Yeah, the Sky Striker wasn't as good as some things they've done, but like the sail barge is incredible. Yeah, that's um, what I was comparing it to. By every account, the his tank looks like it's going to be amazing. Um, okay. So we'll see. I I think I'll order it. I I'm curious what the unlock the tiers will be. So if you've never done a Haslab, at certain tiers they unlock additional figures and things. So that'll probably also kind of influence it a little bit. Does the cast of Rebels have three and three quarter figures? Uh, some. I don't right. know that they've done. All of well, I'm not sure. I think they might. I think they've done most of them, but not recently. So we may see updated. Okay. And then when the show comes out, they'll do it. I mean, the show they'll do vintage collection, Ahsoka Rebels cast. So yeah, I don't know what they'll do, but we should see it soon. Other exclusives we got the weirdly they unveiled the. Has Con, which is something they generally were doing towards September. Um, but the Black Series reveal for that, they're doing a Starkiller set. And it's fine. Like, it comes with a Starkiller with, like, some pretty cool lighting effect, lightning effects and, like, the big kind of, like, force thing that goes around him that's, like, on the cover. And then it comes with two Stormtroopers. It's also $112. Um, now, I will say, as much as I rag on Hasbro sometimes, I will give them that this time when they announced this exclusive, they also were very quick to say, hey, look, we're also going to put out Starkiller as an individual figure release in the Gaming Greats line. So okay. it probably won't come with like the lightning hands and it'll miss some of that stuff, but you'll be able to get the star killer figure without buying the $110 exclusive. Like I've got enough stormtroopers, I don't need them and I open, so I don't really care about the box. Um, the other exclusive for San Diego that they've revealed so far, they are doing a vintage collection, really nice Kersantan. I do think it's very interesting that the box label is only Kersantan. They seem to not be referring to him as Black Kersantan anymore. Yeah, it's the same on the Black Series figure, I think, on the new one. Yeah. I think it just says Kersantan. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember what it says, because there's going to be two for the Black Series. There's the comic book version which I think does say Black Kersantan. And then I think the new release that's coming out that I think is more Book of Boba Fett is just Kersantan. So maybe they're kind of distinguishing it that way. I don't know. Target. Ooh, this is a good one if you haven't seen this. So Target will release two exclusives. Uh, Walmart and Target for San Diego now kind of run their own little collector-thon crap it's a big pain in the butt but target will release actually as of our recording will release in two days from now pre-orders um so friday whatever day it is july 14th i think um they're doing the vader from ov1 and it looks so good because it's got the crack in the helmet where you can see anakin's face um the suits battle damaged I obviously plan to buy it and put it right next to Ahsoka, <laughs> completely ignoring the Ov One part. Just use it as a Rebels figure. Yeah, it's just going to be my little Rebels figure, so they can hang out. And they're going to do a Commander Apo too, but I don't really care about that. Let's see what else in video game news. Shocking no one, the new Jedi game is already going into production. They didn't wait quite as long as they did between Fallen Over and Survivor. Um, the new Jedi game, they posted all the, they're hiring right now, and the game is definitely in pre-production. And then what else do we have? Andor, shockingly, still filming as of this recording. Next time we talk it, 
I'm guessing will not be. Um, but I do think it's cool. They are reco- they are currently filming in Hever Castle, which is Naboo. So they are going to Naboo for Andor season two. I always like seeing Naboo. It's very exciting. Maybe we'll see Padme's grave. It'll make me real sad. Even sadder than Andor normally makes me. It's hard to do. Mm-hmm. The uh, Emmy nominated Andor. Oh, yeah. Like, lots of Emmy nominations for that and Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. All the Mandalorian nominations were technical. Yeah, they're all VX and stuff. Um, and then the last thing, I think just to bring up that I'm kind of curious to watch. So, obviously, Dial of Destiny has not done the best. <laughs> and there are talks and... You know, as there always are, but Kathleen Kennedy is not on the hottest streak right now. No. And so I'll kind of be curious to see what they do with that. There's also rumors going around that the early stuff from the Acolyte is not good. And there's rumors circulating that they may shelve it. Oh. Which I just don't know if I believe. I think they've they've already put too much into it and they've talked about it too much. And the movies, we're waiting. There's too much time before the movies come out. They got to have something. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they got to keep putting out something. So we'll see what it is. Uh, yeah, that's about all our news. We got to see the covers, though, for Phase 2 of the High Republic. They look awesome. Yeah, yeah, I saw those. That Martian Row cover looks amazing. Uh, so what's going on over in the comic books? Um, Dr. Aphra 33. More of Aphra's adventures with Luke. Not a pairing I would have come up with, but it's it's fun. It's fine. Oh, and uh, what we saw at the end of the last issue, the Jedi we saw, don't worry, still dead. Canon in place. It's fine. Uh, Star Wars 36, Leia takes advantage of the whole forces out of whack thing, thinking that Vader and old Palpy are out of sorts and plans a mission on Imperial Center itself. Stackpole would be proud. Yoda number nine, Yoda and Anakin continue their Clone War adventure. And then in the present storyline, sad ass Yoda gets a visit from dead ass Obi-Wan. Uh, I think the next issue is the last one, which is a real shame because I've really enjoyed the Yoda series. And then we have Darth Vader, black, white, and red. Number three, more of the same. I'm going to be honest. These anthologies don't do a lot for me. It's cool to have Jason Aaron writing star Wars again, I guess, but eh. Um, there is a story by TV writer and Kevin Smith podcasting sidekick, Mark Bernardin. That means anything to you. He's uh, Kevin Smith's podcast, uh, fat men, fat man beyond. He's the co-host on that. And he wrote one of the, uh, one of the stories. It was really good. But um, that's it. It's been actually kind of quiet. I did think of one more thing. And just if by chance, somehow, one of our listeners, of which I know there's so many, is going to San Diego Comic-Con. So they're selling the Tales of Light and Life. You can buy it at San Diego. So two months before it comes out. But if you buy it, it comes with a little collectible pen that says Buriaga lives. (laughs) And I really want it. (laughs) (laughs) Need that in time for Dragon Con. Mm -hmm. So for tonight's episode, we are going to save our mini topic until the end and kind of talk about this phase of the high Republic as a whole and kind of what we want to see out of phase three. But before we get there, we're going to be looking at path of vengeance by Kevin Scott. It's time for everybody's favorite thing on our podcast. Ryan sings. (laughs) Uh. Row, row. Here come the rows. Where the hell have they been? Get the leveler and kill the force abusers. I hope we see him again. (laughs) I got the rose thing in my head and I had to do it.
All right, it's time to get all of our Phase 2 questions answered in Path of Vengeance by Kevin Scott. Our book picks up by summarizing for 100 pages the comic after the Battle of Jedi. After the Rose escaped from the Jedi, they plan to cover it up with Mother, blaming the Herald and regaining Marta's place as the guide, who is now haunted by versions of Kevmo. The comic good guy team of Padawan... of Kevmo. I think I had that album in ninth grade. <laughs> Our comic book good guy team, consisting of Padawan Talkie Maddie, her new master, Vildar, Tay, a former guardian of the wills and a thief, and Jedi cool girl, Olivia, are helping to put the city back together and mourning Master Levo, the Tiger Master. After seeing Mother's message, they decide to go off and investigate Dalma and see what the path's up to. What they're up to is running away from Jedha. Yana gets stuck on Dalma, gets stranded, while Marta meets Hunky Bokana. And as they travel back, Mother seems to be weakening as time goes by to get back to Dalma. Yana sneaks into the prison as a Jedi, gets the Rod of Daybreak, and escapes with the Herald to go after Mother. Meanwhile, Marta, back on Donna, meets journalist Zeltron, who is investigating the path and invites them to come check out the compound, which Mother definitely does not like. In order to clear her name and her spot in the path, she decides to go on a mission with Bokana, Sunshine, Shay, and some other no-names to finally Planet X. Everyone else arrives on Dalna. Yana takes the rod to Mother, pretending to have left the Herald. Marta and the gang approach the veil around Planet X, which it turns out attacks Force Sensitives, as they learn when they have to kill a chicken-headed telepath man who's been traveling with them. They arrive on Planet X with two ships left and find a paradise that increases your Force powers and also tries to murder you. Please note, it is definitely not Talnor. Yana takes the rod to Mother, and she makes the Super Rod, which now super controls the leveler. On Planet X, Sunshine leads him to the cave, where the Force shows Bukano where to look, revealing him as a dirty Force abuser. They go in to collect a bunch of eggs and are chased out by the Underdweller. Then they get chased by a creepy lion thing called the Predator, escaping back to their ship but losing Bukano on the way. They get out of the veil in the last minute by Shay, getting the idea to modify hyperdrive to make a path out. Wink, wink, wink. Team Jedi arrive on Donna, meet the upset Donna populace, and a very sick journalist who turns out was being poisoned by the path. Oh, also, they started poisoning the town, too, which explains why they were so eager to attack. Yana is put in charge of getting ready for the fight with the Jedi by Mother, but really, she is looking for Kor's mom for the Herald to help and then kill the mother. She meets up with Maddie, Olivia, and they all decide to team up to end it all. More Jedi arrive, although still not Jedi from Catalyst, at the same time that Marta and Sunshine get back with the Nameless Eggs. The Herald goes in to confront the mother, which erupts in chaos and is only stopped when Marta pulls out Kevmo's saber, giving a speech about the evil Jedi and starts the path of the closed fist. Yana's horrified and the Herald decides to join up and is forgiven. Yana tries to stop her, but Marta cuts off her hand and leaves her in true Star Wars tradition. Marta takes the rod and hatches the eggs, making little, little nameless babies who escape everyone. It's like aliens. The Night of Sorrow begins. Giannis decides to escape with Sunshine and with the mother's treasure, but stops when she finds a child who the mother is having set bombs around the caves to collapse. Yep, this book involves child soldier murderers, suicide bombers. Yana shows up <coughs> with Marta, who they then realize mother might not be the best person to follow. And Maddie fights through the caves and finds several husks when she meets up with cool girl Olivia and the Herald in cuffs. They all go to the mother's listening chamber when it's revealed that the mother uses the Force 
and her arms are stoned from being fed on by the leveler. Oh, also, she's Olivia's sister, who's just jealous that she wasn't chosen to be a Jedi. Like, seriously, there's no foreshadowing of this. She's been using her force persuasion powers to control the path, sunshine, Axel, every single one of them. They all fight with the Herald being killed. Olivia and Mother have a saber fight. And Marta with the rod and Yana running away to get the kids as the tunnels fall, flood. She calls all the nameless to her and blows the bombs to drown all the nameless. Yana saves Maddie from drowning and takes her to the surface. Marta, it turns out, survives with the Rod of Seasons and the big giant leveler. The dumbass Jedi listened to Maddie's story but blamed the Rod for all the hallucinations. Mother is taken prisoner by the Jedi. Marta sneaks into her tent, kills her with the leveler. And the cousins decide to split up, with Marta taking her rod and the leveler onto the gaze electric to find a place for the leveler to rest and to start a new group against the Force. Yana reveals that she has the rod of daybreak and goes with Shay, who is pregnant, and will name her baby Mari. Foreshadowing! This is a long book. Very long book. Very long, and a lot happens. And it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> I, I do think this book cements. Like, the first phase, the adult books were definitely the core story. And this one, it really feels like the YA books are the core story you need to read. In relation to phase one, yes. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to learn more about, if you're trying to get that background on phase one, then yes, it's the YA books that are mm-hmm. the important part. If you want the bigger story with the forever war and everything, obviously you got to read the adult books, but, but the YA books are definitely the stronger this time around. I'm just so happy that the Arano and Iram are, are so, so barely mentioned. They're barely mentioned. They just talk almost about not at all. The Forever War, like one time at the beginning, and then we just don't talk about it again because finally everybody goes to Dalna. I was surprised, especially that first hundred pages. This is the most I think we've ever seen a hard tie into the comics. Ever. Yeah, like almost ever. Like it was it was directly just summarizing the comics. Mm-hmm. Which was kind of a letdown in a way because the comics weren't out yet. <laughs> and not, so not the, the last issue wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. And it did so, come out, but the last issue wasn't out at the time. Yeah. I think we had left when the book came out, they had just like dropped the statue, but they hadn't gone in with the gloves and yeah. done the rod and all that stuff and killed master Lebo and all that mess. Um, but they're both by Kevin Scott, so you know those were his characters, I guess. Maddie and Tay and Olivia. There's a lot. I had this one. There's a lot of meeting up in this book. <laughs> like characters like come together and meet up, and they split up, and then they're like, "Oh, we should meet again and talk about something." And it didn't bother me reading it when I was summarizing it. I was like, "That happens a lot here." Well, it also happens a lot in the two books prior to this, because this is all the culmination of the last two books that we couldn't talk about everything last time without spoiling this time, because mm-hmm. everybody from the last two books is also on Dalma. I know we had talked about this before. I do like, so the structure of this book, you know, it's broken up into is it three sections. It's the aftermath of Alajetta. Kind of during the Battle of Jetta. Yeah. And, and then, then the aftermath. Yeah. It was, I like the structure of it. And we talked about before, I would be, I, I don't know if it's possible, but it would be cool to kind of read these back and forth at the same time. Because there was times like with the water and stuff, you know, all of a sudden yeah. the tunnels just flood. And it's like, oh, well, they're down there bombing stuff. and. Okay, so you read... You read that definitely Planet X is not 
Tenalore. It's not. And once you read this and you get to Tenalore in the game, I mean, they're very clearly different planets. But boy, are they similar. They're real similar. I mean, I mean even, even the visual, like when I got to Tenalore in the game, that's almost what I imagine Planet X looked like even before I got there. Right. And the, the timelines don't exactly line up. Like you couldn't do it with how they talk about Tantalor and the Nile going there and the emergences causing the destruction. The fact that we got High Republic stuff in that game at all is pretty crazy. Yeah is is pretty cool and pretty shows how committed they are to the era you know as we're learning but let's talk about the rose i love the rose i'm so glad they're back i know i am gonna need more stories of the rose like and we'll talk about this probably at the end but I, there's so much more they can do with them there's so much story there about what happens when they leave um but I did really like they're both, you know, you've got force or the visions of Kevmo where she's hearing Kevmo in her head and spirit Kevmo. He's a little bit of a jerk. Yeah, I like spirit Kevmo. <laughs> Dead Kevmo's a dick. Yeah. He's, he's a little snappy. Um, but at the same time with Yanni, you get some core flashbacks um, and where she sees core and all that kind of stuff. And so I thought that was a really good kind of parallel between the two of them. And where one, Yana, who was, you know, that leader of the children when we first met her and the one that was doing the wet work for the mother, her visions kind of lead her to trying to save the Herald's wife and Kors, um mama and kind of redeem her while Kevmo is like making Marta more and more crazy. And like, I should just kill all the Jedi. <laughs> like he would have been great without the Jedi. Let's do this. Um, and so I think it was a really cool, like story path for them. Cause by the end, Yana is like, no, like we're not going to have child suicide bombers. And the mother's definitely gone too far and Marta's got a lightsaber out and is screaming about the closed fist and let's go kill some stuff. And I, you know, having, what was saying, Bokana, the hunky, hunky Bokana. He um, was hunky. Like it looked like that was going to be like a good little redemption for Marta where she was going to, oh, like, I really like this guy and I'm going to defend him. And then <laughs> when he reveals those caves, she's like, Yep, dirty force abuser. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, she kind of she forgives him a little bit, but she moves right on past that. She's, you know what? She's a believer. You can't if you can't can't say anything about Marta Rowe. You know, you can say she's a believer. Well, I so I've read this book twice now, and I still can't tell. Is it that Bokana actually was force sensitive in any way, or was that the planet's effect on people? I took for that Planet X amplifies anything. So, like, he probably didn't know. But there's a couple of scenes early on where he kind of almost seems to calm her down or kind of think what, like, is able to kind of see where she's feeling. And so I think he had some, like, low-level force sensitivity. And you get to Planet X, and it just sets off. Gets set off, right? yeah. So I imagine like a Jedi on Planet X would be super powerful. It was a good, I I like the setup of it. Like I like the veil around it where it's got this like natural defense where it attacks you if you've got a force user on you and they kill poor chicken head man (laughs) because he's, it kind of makes you go crazy too, I guess though. Because he starts going crazy about the Force will die, and then Bokana starts doing that too. But then they all start going a little crazy because they're all talking together in unison and stuff. So it's it kind yeah, of it's makes like everybody get you high or something. And when they talk about it, they feel so full of life and all that when they land there. And then the trees start trying to kill you. 
I like, uh, I, I didn't, I don't know if I liked the weird spongy trees. It sounded uncomfortable. It doesn't sound like my idea of paradise, but I, I like the, everybody just walking around like a bunch of damn hippies being all high on this planet until they find that crater. And that was like straight up horror novel shit for a minute there. Once they get into the crater and the little, like the giant spidery monster comes after them. There's some weird names in this book. So the spidery monster is not a leveler. It's just protecting the eggs of the leveler. So I couldn't, and when I was going back today and kind of re-looking at it, because there's a point they talk about that it's like it wants them there. Like, they talk about it wants us to take them before the protector comes out. But then the underdweller still attacks them. So I didn't really... I really need them to release some, like, concept art of some of this stuff, though. Because when they explain or when they describe to the protector it's like a lion kind of but it's real big and it i think also has some tentacles <laughs> like a lot of tentacles like it's just like a displacer beast from dungeons and dragons or something or oh yeah it could be which was in the movie i wish they would do like they did in the younger reader books where you just have a page or two of like little painting type scenes yeah. you can kind of see some of it that would have been cool to see for Planet X. I feel like some of that stuff that would be fairly horrifying because the, the whole cave thing, everything that happens in the cave with the big vast open pit in the middle and the Bacana's just standing there like drooling and talking about the forest will be killed or whatever. They're, they're going to kill the forest and destroy the everybody. And, yeah. yeah. You guys are all going to die. The force is going to die. All right. Let's see. So then we go back to the planet. Uh, the journalist. I could have done without her. Yeah. <laughs> Zeltar. Zelton. Like, she was just kind of there. I mean, oh, it served, I guess, to show the mothers, you know, poisoning people. It makes a lot more sense now why all the farmers and stuff are so keen on attacking in the previous book. Um. Right. And I guess that's a question I have too. I didn't really a hundred percent understand why do they go back to Dalma, the path? Like at this point, they've got the gaze electric. Why go? I mean, I guess they leave some shit there. Well, it seems like they talk about that the crates. They've got all the crates because they checked the crates in the beginning that they talk about in the other book that's got the droids in it and all that stuff. Right. But why go back to the place where you, they know where you're at? You know, it didn't occur to me to question it until right now. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Because I just went with it and then I was like, oh yeah, wait, you're right. Why did they go back there? I mean, the mother's probably not doing great at this point because she's feeding herself to the leveler. Is that what it turns out she's doing? Yeah. Yeah, it's she's siphoning it off. Force of her. sensitive and she's off been of her force it. powers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That's why if you like think back, like they always talk about the leveler like nudging her hand and stuff. It's yeah. feeding off of her. That's why her arms are stone when they uncover her. All right, let's get into the that part. All right, I'm totally down with the mother's story of she's force sensitive and that's how she's kind of controlled Sunshine and Axel and all these people. And yeah, it's it. what's because they, they, they since the beginning, she's been described as having this way about her. Right. Mm-hmm. The your sister just happens to show up <laughs> part of it. I was kind of like, all right, guys. Well, everybody. Else I know it's dullness. <laughs> I guess the force willed it. it. It reminded me very much of the Harry Potter books when uh, it turns out that Aunt Petunia was a bitch because she didn't get a Hogwarts letter. I mean, did we see it come in that she was force sensitive? I think so, right? Well, I mean, yeah, but that her sister just happens to be the Jedi who happens to go to Dolna. Yeah, it was a little... A little too a little convenient. Much. 
Oh, I did like, here's another thing I'd like to see a picture of. Lots of creepy little nameless running around, like a, I said before, like a scene from Aliens. <laughs> like when they all pop up and they're all like around and they talk about in the caves, they just like pop out and there's like husks everywhere. This one makes it seem, and I think we talked about Catalyst a little bit. I think a lot more people died on Dalma than we previously knew. Because like Maddie's talking about when she's running around the caves, just like running into like husk after husk, which kind of blows a hole in the whole hallucinogen story that the Jedi are trying to push. That the, right. the, the Yoda's trying to push over on everybody. You know, you, yeah. Don't don't pay attention to the fact that we're missing like a hundred Jedi. And I think they kind of say like, oh yeah, the Rod of Power can do that. And it also makes you see beasts. It's like, well, that beast was definitely running around the market on Jedi. Um, oh, actual sex reference. I forgot. They say the word. The word sex. A couple of times. couple of times. They say the words, the sex was good. The, it wasn't just the sex, although the sex had been incredible. I highlighted it because it stuck out to me that they said sex in a Star Wars book. As someone who has a 10-year-old daughter who is a voracious reader, I'm starting to learn what, what young adult really means is horny. <laughs> that is very true. She's, like, she's wanting to read young adult books, and I'm like... Hey. Are, the, are the Twilight books considered... Young adult. Oh yeah, those oh. books are horny as hell. Yeah, and yeah. they're super horny. <laughs> yeah. Why do you think yeah. we all read them when we were like thirty? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Way more appropriate for a thirty-year-old. Yeah, they're very. They were all about not having sex until you finally did. Uh-huh. And then you had it a lot. <laughs> and it was very violent. <laughs> I don't know. Was it the first time that word's been said in a Star Wars book? Did we look that up? You know what? I, I didn't, didn't look, look it up, up, but it shocked me enough that I feel yeah. like it might I feel like we one of us would remember if we'd <laughs> yeah. seen that before. Like I had almost like a guttural reaction to it, and like had to read it twice. Like, did they really just say that? I'm trying to think, Dark Disciples probably the most explicit book we've had before now. It's it's the they don't use the word, book, but they no, don't use they that just, word. They use the word lovers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They become lovers. Which is so creepy. It's way Which worse. Is gross. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just the grossest I know, way to I put it. I don't like that word. Something a Tim Meadows character would say. <laughs> or did say. Yeah, did say. I love that movie. Uh- <laughs> of course you do. So the two rods. I have questions. Yeah. The leveler is controlled. And all the levelers are controlled by one or both of these rods. If you say so. Supposedly. Supposedly. Where where did these rods come from? Why are they why are the levelers afraid of them? Every time somebody lifts one of these rods, the leveler flips out and is scared. But all it wants to do is eat, and all they ever order it to do with the rods is eat and kill people. So, I I need to know more about the rods, I guess, because I'm confused by what they are, what they do, where did they come from, yeah. how did they get off Planet X if nobody else has been there besides Sunshine Dobbs, and he clearly doesn't know what the rods are because he's an idiot. I have rod questions. So it seems like if you have a single rod, you can kind of make it do what you want. It's a little loosey-goosey. Like, you can be like, all right, go run around Jedi and kill some people. But you can't totally control it. It kind of wreaks havoc. Right. And then when you stick them together, it turns into the rod of power and turns purple. And you can dominate them. Then, yeah, because she made it roll over. It's like a dog collar. It's like an electric dog collar. And when you have one, it's on vibrate. When you stick them together, it turns it on shock. <laughs> and now they're but Beth's right. If these creatures only come from Planet X, then who created the rod to control them? If they yeah. only come from Planet X. And they talk about Planet X as like a legend. So somebody had been there before. But others have been there before. Yeah. Yeah. 
Maybe that'll be an older public when we get way back then. We'll get to we'll see. We'll get an older public story. Yeah. Yeah, if we get older public stories, I don't want to hear about any damn rods. And I also mean, like the rods. Even, even if it's an inanimate carbon rod? Well, that's different. In rod, we trust. It's it saved the space shuttle. <laughs> <laughs> the rod not only glows purple and controls the leveler, it also has a knife in it. <laughs> like, for some reason, it's, it's like also a, a switchblade. It's a multi-tool. <laughs> To answer your question, I have no idea where the rods came from. So yeah. they just they're just the magical doohickeys that control the other doohickeys. Mm-hmm. It's like the blade that you use to find Exegol. It just is. <laughs> it just is. It just is. Okay, just that's is. fair. Now I understand. Just now I understand. go with it. Yeah. I did enjoy at the end, Yana totally does not tell her she's got I think she's got the daybreak. She definitely does yes. not tell her she has it. She's like, I'm just going to hold on to this because you got a little crazy look in your eye. Yeah, so that's that's the question I have now is which one of them is actually going to be the one that that founds the the Nihil? Well, you know, which one is which one is Martian related to? Right. Directly. Because Marty yeah. seems like the logical choice because she's the fanatic, but you know, plot twist. Could be Yana we're not ends up going to be here for that plot twist. Yeah, well, we could I be imagine, in the future. Yeah, I imagine we'll get something. And they did a good job about making it not clear because at the end, you've got Shay and Yana going off, yeah, to cause problems. And essentially, it sounds like the criminals. Sounds like be the Nile, which would lead you to think they're the Nile. But yeah. Marta's got the gaze electric. And she's the fanatic. I mean, I don't know. Like, and she still has the leveler. Yeah. When we right. see this, like, where does the how does when does the leveler end up in ice? And she says she's going to do something with it. Oh, does she? Okay. Yeah, like that's why she takes it. Is she's like, I can't leave this thing. Like, it seems like her plan is she's going to go bury it somewhere and then start her path. Whatever. Well, and uh, is it going to be the what's the path of the elders? That was the one from phase one. And the kid, well, he's an old man. But the guy in phase one that Marshawn Rowe takes to get the leveler, I can't remember yeah. his name. It's oh, the yeah. He's one of Marta's kids like that she took care of. And so he's got a rod. And he says he's from this path. So maybe that's what they do. Oh, I need to go back and reread that. It's just that quick scene, like towards the beginning when they first go get the leveler, he's with them. Yeah, because he can sense it or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's force sensitive and he's there to test out whether the leveler works. Yeah. Yeah. He's like the canary in the coal mine. Mm -hmm. And so that makes sense if he's, if Marta keeps up with some of her, the children, he knows where it is. Another one I had that was, a total like kind of cheesy thing, but I loved it. Them doing the origin of the path engines. I yeah. absolutely loved. Like it was so good where Shay's like, I mean, I've always been really good at rewiring and building stuff, but when I'm close to this planet, this is awesome. And she builds a path engine while she's pregnant and then has a baby. She names Mari. <laughs> like there's been lots of questions if that's Mari Santeca or not. I mean, and that she, she was born in the veil, or she was in Shay's belly in the veil. She's been to Planet X. That's kind of how she gets her power. Right. Yeah, I could totally buy that. And I mean, it's 100 years, but they say Mari. Mari was real old. one is real old. Real old, yeah. And being artificially kept alive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, she could easily fall in love with an early Santeca. I mean, I think the first thing for a wrap up of phase two, and it goes without saying, if you've listened to any of these episodes, the Forever War wasn't great. (laughs) It felt like it went on forever. I still struggle, and maybe phase three will clarify this, but what was the point? I didn't need that many books to tell me why them being on Irem at the end of phase one was important. We could have done that in like a couple chapters. It's also there though to illustrate, because it's also part of the mother story as well, right? Yeah. She's trying to sow dissent. She's trying to keep the war going. 
So I think we're supposed to take away the mother's involvement with it and it being part of the mother's story as opposed to the other way around. They're uh-huh. just so, obs- she's so obsessed with that one war. Like there's no other planets you can go to, to start a fight. It, it, it just got a disproportionate amount of time for how interesting it was, but yeah. it was, it was all part of the plan mm-hmm. of the mother who is the main antagonist of the entire phase. Right. So I, mean, I it guess has to do, it has to do with that, but it felt like we spent a lot of time on it when it just wasn't that. Interesting. Yeah. It gives you a little bit of a snapshot of the Republic expanding. Yeah. And the Jedi's involvement in things and kind of how, how they did it. Of Um, of what the galaxy is looking like at this time, mm -hmm. you know, and, and how, how primitive relatively things are so that things like communications can be so easily knocked out. Mm-hmm. Um, how how communications and travel are still very uh, very limited and very fragile. Mm-hmm. So I think it was interesting to see that stuff. Um, I didn't mind the characters. I liked Fantu and Ziri. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't I, I didn't mind them at all. It just didn't after after dropping me off. I, I guess after dropping me off at the end of Phase One, I was only hungry for the stuff that I thought were felt directly related and yeah. the and the war didn't feel directly related like i said i think it is i think it it's it has to do with the mother's schemes but i just wanted to know like w- once they introduced us in the very first book because like i said the best two books were path of deceit and path of vengeance is path of deceit introduced me to oh these are the rows okay i know where this is headed um, and the forever war just kind of got in the way a little bit. It just it was a disproportionate amount of time given the importance to the overall story that they mm. were trying to tell to me. Yeah, I think phase two more than phase one, there was definitely some lower points to it. Like even in phase one, you know, you had your kind of a story and your B story you had, the emergencies and Starlight Beacon is kind of your A story. And then you had the Gen Gear as kind of your B story. And I thought both of those were real strong. And this one, you got your A and the B where you had the Forever War and then you had kind of more the Rose. And path one, and, yeah, yeah, the Path. And one was super strong with yeah. the Rose stuff. And then the Forever War was just kind of like, eh. And there were some good characters. Like, I really like, you know, the Chancellor stuff. I, thought Axel was interesting. Yeah, I liked Axel. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how this informs what comes next and how, it, you know, because we're already, you know, what I haven't had a chance to quite do yet because I don't really have the time to go back and reread all of phase one is to see how this paints phase one. Mm-hmm. To see if this gives any kind of, I mean, and, and it does, it gives us some context. It gives us more of an idea of this monster that got unleashed mm-hmm. that, that killed loading great storm and stuff. And so we, we get, we now know pretty much all we really need to know about this monster. Um, other than basically how to kill it or how to, how to defeat it. I think this gave us how to defeat it. With this what? book did. So what we know is we're still missing one rod. There's three rods, right? Rose got, Marshawn now has two. And so he has the rod of power. What I think is going to happen is what Mari Santeca told Vern was essentially how to get to planet X and she's going to get the protector. And that's going to be kind of where she goes. Like that's going to be her story. And she's her hyperspace trances and all that is going to let her get through the veil. And that's why they chose her to do it. I definitely think she's going to Planet X. I definitely think Burns going to Planet X. It just it it makes just makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And I guess we're already into speculation. It's it's hard to yeah. It's tough not to. It, it's it's also weird because you know we had a hard time last time talking about the book because we couldn't talk about this book, and so it's kind of like it, it, now it's hard to talk about kind of the, the end of it without talking about the beginning of the next thing. Mm-hmm. Because it is all one big narrative and 
Um, we just took this pit stop, this little sidetrack in the middle of the larger narrative. So I guess as a wrap up question is, is it, was it worth this? Was it worth the pit stop or would you have rather been with our other characters? I don't think we know yet. Yeah. I think until we get through phase three and see how this all, how this affects everything affects. Cause I do think too, you know, we know just from the solicitations of the phase three books that the Nile control a large section of the mid rent. Um, right. I would probably bet money that part of that is Iram and Aranaw. Like, I think that's how they're going to tie them back in. Right. So that's what kind of catch back up with them. And It's easy to forget that this is all part of one big story. So in the grand scheme of things, phase two has just been like a subplot mm-hmm. of the full story that they're trying to tell. And so I I do think it's worth it to know, you know, what is planet X? Where did the leveler come from? More about how the path became, you know, what the Nihil are about, how they started. It's just, it's, it's such a big story overall, the high Republic as a whole, and you have to take it as a whole. And so, yeah, maybe this wasn't like the most compelling phase of it, but it's it's just a chapter in the giant book that the story group is telling. I'll be curious to see if you could just read phase one and phase three and skip two unless you want more information. Kind of like, could you just watch stuff and then watch The Mandalorian and the Darksaber shows up? And that's the plot. Or you can watch Rebels and find out all about it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, is this like kind of the show that fills in gaps that you don't necessarily need? I don't know. I don't know. I I think it's going to have a wider, it's going to have a larger effect than that. I I think. But because, you know, whatever, whatever it is, Yoda has come back to say, he's got to see something important to say because he finally showed his green ass. At the end of that last book. Yeah, but he did it all cool. It came out through the smoke. Oh, no, he did it cool. It's just, you know, like, hey, you could have been around, you know, could have been useful. It's not dramatic. Could have been useful the day before or the day before that. Maybe he to spend a lot of time not being useful. Yeah, maybe he went to get the rod because we don't know where the other rod's going to come from. But once again, Yoda could help and provide some information. Right. You know about this. (laughs) Information we could have used yesterday. Yes. Phase three is going to start with, it's like that scene in Independence Day where like, they're like, oh, if aliens were real, they'd know about it. And the one guy goes, that's not exactly true. <laughs> we're going to get Yoda taking them to some secret room with like some nameless and some tanks. And <laughs> We've been working on this for a hundred years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, that is kind of what, I mean, that's one thing I'm looking forward to finding out is, is what, why at the end of the day, what is their justification for hiding this all this time and, and not, and how, and how did they, could they possibly have hidden this? The, 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 the fact that these creatures existed, it's the, still, I still, it's still a stretch for me. The excuse at the end of cataclysm was not enough for me. When they were just like, no, we should just keep quiet about this for a hundred years. No, you keep quiet about it. Maybe that minute. It's not just the Jedi that know either. Like the path have been watching the leveler stomp around Dalna. Then there were a bunch of baby ones. Like not everybody in the path got murdered on the night of sorrows. There's a lot of people that have seen these things. I mean, I'm sure we're going to get a lot of filling in phase three, but I am really excited when this is over that they can kind of go back and fill in some of this stuff. Cause there's lots of cool stuff they could fill in. Like, especially with the Rose, like I'd read a whole book about whatever happens with them. I'd go back further. And I mean, we still don't know their species and why everybody's so afraid of them and yeah, what they are, or how they really came to the path. Like there's so much stuff there. 
I am clearly a fan of the path of the open hand. <laughs> <laughs> One might say a zealot. <laughs> One might say a believer. Mm-hmm. I would say, I, and this might be a, a a bolder statement. I think Path of Vengeance is one of the best books of the High Republic. I really enjoyed it. It's it's pretty up there. I mean, it's it's also the most action we've had in a long time. We've had a lot of books. I I don't know if it's as great as the other books in this phase were not our favorites. Like comparatively moving away from the forever war into some action and finally getting to see the damn planet X, anything would have felt like a pickup and an improvement after kind of dragging through more of the forever war to me. Can we, can we all admit that they can skip the audio play next time? Oh God. If they don't get better at it. I mean, Tempest <laughs> runner was Fine. Fine. But Fine. but as we pointed out, inconsequential. Mm-hmm. Battle of Jedi was just not good. But this book Battle of Jedi should have been important. This, and- this book had the action that the Battle of Jedi was missing, and it described it to me in a way that I could picture what was happening, which is what it a described book- the Battle of Jedi. Yeah, yeah, that's what a book that has a battle in it should do. When you read the comic, the Battle of Jedi is awesome. <laughs> like, yeah, there's those. What are they? The brothers of the night, uh, starts mm. with a T, Talon or whatever. The oh, guys in yeah, red, like yeah. throwing stuff around, and the will, it's Guardians of the Wills. Like, there's so much cool stuff happening, and we just didn't get that. It'd have been such a better book. I will say overall, though, I continue to be impressed by the coordination of the story group. Yes, there's yeah. so many moving pieces with all the different versions of media that go into this thing and they line up real well. I mean, just with the four, you know, just the four pillars, right? The, the, the main, the comic, the middle grade, the YA and the adult books, like just the coordination between those four things is incredible. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and the thing is, I think I'm sure if you went through with a with a, a comb, you could find an error here or there. But I think you could read these last two books together, mm-hmm. and it would work. Mm-hmm. It feels like they were so so well coordinated and so well thought out that that they 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 do overlap in, in the right way. I do remember there. There's a point in Cataclysm. I always want to say Catalyst cataclysm where they see the explosion and then you realize in this book it's marta blowing the bombs so like they had a good there's a couple of moments like that that really line over well they had a plan Uh, yeah how dare they and everybody's so good at writing other people's characters it's really impressive because mm-hmm. the characters don't feel different from one writer to the next. Mm-hmm. And yeah, even they did a real good job with their character models. Even even yeah. somebody that you know, oh, I didn't create this character. They still do them all justice, even though they're not their characters. They give as much attention to the characters they created as the ones that somebody else created. It's just really well done overall. I am excited to get back to the phase one characters, though. I, I'm so worried about Elzar and Avar. I'm, I'm okay with Bell now. I know Bell's all right. We know Burry's going to be okay. Yeah. But someone else was missing, weren't they? But, uh, God, I, I thought I someone thought else was missing at the end. Burry was the only one that was. Is Burry the only one that was mark. missing? Because mm-hmm. we know Stellan's did. Well, but, the first uh, book comes out in November, right? Eye of Darkness? November 14th is The Eye of Darkness by George Mann. That's the first adult novel. So we get one High Republic Phase 3 book this year, and then the rest are next year and, and on, right? Yeah, in September we get the Tales of Light and Life, which... Yep go a little past phase one. I don't think much. A lot of it's kind of, I think I've seen reaction to starlight crashing and a little bit of that aftermath. And then we'll get 
into the yeah, November. I'm also thinking like kind of our A and B storylines for the next one's going to be the nameless will be one story and then the other one will be fighting the Nile off with their whatever it is they're doing. I hope we do get to see that transition of the Jedi into more of the Phantom Menace Jedi. Or at least a hint of it. Yeah. Yeah. Just some something. That this kind of, this whole thing kind of shocks him into stepping back some and becoming a little more uniform. And damn it, they better give me a way seeker. Like, come on, guys. So yeah, that wraps up phase two of the High Republic. Chad, what are we going to be reading next? Well, as we were talking about, we've got a little bit of a gap before any more canon books are coming out. I think we've got the what the Crimson Blade mm-hmm. is the next book. Yes. And that's for a little while. So we're going to go back to our one of our favorite writers, James Lucino, and we're going to read his Legends novel, Cloak of Deception. Um, another one of his books that you could probably argue could, could be canon if you really wanted it to be. Um, Don't we want a, all of his books to be canon? But it, it's uh, it takes place before the events of Phantom Menace and involves Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan and Chancellor Valorum. So if you ever wanted to know more about Terrence Stamp's character, <laughs> you get to learn more about him. The so. really boring Chancellor. The really boring Chancellor who who all all he did all he does in the movie is get fired. <laughs> Especially after entire- having a couple of really good chancellors here. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us tonight, and we will talk to you all soon. Roger, roger.